All right. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> Why don't we, uh, can you look to someone and say Happy New Year? Uh, give them a high five. It is good to be together as the people of God in this place. Yeah, happy New Year. Um, our annual predictable New Year's joke, here it is. If you're here today, you are in the running for perfect attendance, so keep up the good work. Um, we're here first Sunday of the year, and I hope you're excited um, to worship. We're going to be here uh, for a quick, uh, just a quick two-week series on um, just asking this question, what do you see? I don't know as <coughs> when you look back at 2019, uh, the year that was, when you look back on that year, uh, I wonder what, what images or what words come to mind, what phrases or sentences describe that year for you, especially as it relates to your spiritual life. Um, when you think about the investment of your time, if you could see that as seed that God has given to you, as you put the seed of your time into your spiritual life, what would you say, what words would you say uh, would describe your past year? I, I would hope that some of us would say, yeah, you know what, this year was a year of, of great growth. Like, I grew spiritually. Like, I grew in ways that um, I wanted to grow. I grew in ways that I never imagined I would grow in, but I grew this past year in Christ. Maybe for some of you, the word is, is healing. Like, I experienced a great deal of healing in my life this year. There was some, some brokenness. There was bitterness and unforgiveness. And as I surrendered that to the Lord, he really met me, and he did a, a great work of healing in my life. What would you use to describe your 2019? Maybe for some of us, um, maybe some of us, we, we have regret over the past year. When we think about all that was in the year that was, we think about all those things and we think, man, you know, I have a lot of regret. I feel like the word that I would use to describe my time spiritually would be, I feel like I wasted it. Maybe I wasted it because I was too distracted or too busy. Maybe I wasted it because I was complaining about all these things and, and, and not really doing anything about it. Maybe I wasted it because I was watching TV too much or playing too many games or, or because I was hanging out with my friends. Maybe that's what you feel like. Whatever that word was, I want you to think about this because in, in, in very short time, we're going to be at the end of another year. You know how quickly the year passes. I, I love what we do every year at the end of the year here at our church as we get together. We watch a video of pictures of the past year just to see God's faithfulness throughout the year, all that he's done. People who've come to know Jesus, people who've committed their lives to Christ, people who have testified to the work of God in their lives, and we see all of that stuff, and then we look back at the year, and we're like, man, I can't believe that was this year, but we realize that the year is long, but the year goes by fast, doesn't it? Because before you know it, we're going to be sitting here December 31st, 2020, and we're going to look back at this year. And the question that I want to ask as we begin this year is, what word do you want to describe your year in 2020? Because one of the great principles of life that helps us to maximize our days is to live with the end in mind. To think about what our year is going to look like when we get to New Year's Eve 2021 and what will I want the investment of my life to have been? What will I want to be the defining word or image or picture of my life in the year 2020? I don't want to waste another year. I don't want to waste any part of my life. And I don't want you to waste any of your year either. I want you to get to the end of the year and say, you know what? I didn't waste any days. I didn't waste any of my time, but I gave myself fully to the things that really mattered. What do you want to see at the end of this year? My thesis 
today is very simple, okay? My th- it's very simple. Think about what you want to see and live in light of that, okay? It's pretty simple. What do you see? Here it is. What you sow is what you'll see at the end of the year. And I want to show that to you from Galatians chapter 6. Can we turn there? Galatians 6, <clears throat> verses uh, 7 through 9. We're going to read from God's Word just these three verses um, super simple, super simple message today. Uh, I just want to be as practical and as uh, applicable as we can so that we can go into this new year uh, understanding fully what's necessary in order for us to see the things that we want to see. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. This is God's word. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. This is God's word. So as we think about this, uh, I'm going to just bring out three thoughts, but let me preface it by saying, uh, when, when I was younger... Um, I, I, I tried this in our first service, and, and, and not many people really understood. But when I was younger, there used to be certain phrases that we would say to one another in order to help us know the power of our words and that we ought to be careful what we say, at the same time to know that if people said things about us, that we don't need to be defined by them. So we'd say things like, uh, I'm rubber, you're glue. Whatever you say, bounce off me and sticks to you. Anyone? Used to say that when you were little? Okay. So usually it's like, in the first service, like 35 and up understood it, but those who are younger, they're like, we have no idea. There's another thing. If, if people, used to call, people used to say, hey, you're a jerk. Uh, I know the jerk used to be a dance about 10 years ago, but people called you a jerk. This is what we would say. I don't know if you know this one. Um, a jerk is a tug. A tug is a boat. A boat sails a water. Water is nature. Nature is beautiful. Therefore, thank you for the compliment. That's what we used to say, right? You call me a jerk, I'll say I'm beautiful. Thank you very much. There's another one, and this is probably, I hesitated to say this because it's kind of like, I don't want to say it's R-rated because I'm going to say it, and that would be bad if it was really bad. But this is what we used to say. It doesn't make any sense. But um, people would say something bad about us, and we would say, no, 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 no. What you say is what you are. You're a what? You're You're a naked movie star. Did you guys used to say that? No? Oh, my goodness. Nobody. Man, I Googled it, and it was actually a thing. I, I was thinking, is it just me and my brother? But no, that's what we say. Someone would say, hey, you know what? You're ugly. Yeah, what you say is what you are. You're a naked movie star. It doesn't make any sense because when you say you're a naked movie star, you're saying that's what you are. But all that to say, be careful what you say because what you say is what you are. That's what we're saying. What Paul is saying here, and what I want to submit to you today is what you sow is what you'll see Therefore, be careful what you sow. That's the first thing, okay? Understand this. What you sow is what you'll see, so be careful what you sow. This is what he says in verse 7. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. This is clearly a spiritual analogy, but he's using the illustration from farming. My, uh, my father-in-law likes to garden. He likes to garden, so whenever he's in town, um, one of the things that he's busy doing is gardening or tending to the things that he's planted in the past. And so uh, he will plant a great many things in the front yard and the lanai and different pots and things, but 
us having three little kids means that there are occupational hazards that come with being a gardener in our home. Like our kids, uh, one time there was a, a tree that was planted, had beautiful flowers coming out of it, and our, uh, at the time our little daughter, Manny, she liked those flowers, and so she started picking them off of the tree, and I was like, oh my gosh, Manny, grandpa's not going to like that. That's not good. You can't do that. And so she realized that she had done something bad, and so she tried to like place them back onto the branches, and they would fall back down. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And so when grandpa would see those, he would say, yeah. Like, that's what he says in Yeah, what are you doing? He said it nicer because she was a, a baby. But uh, that's some of the frustrations that come with his gardening in our home. There was another time, actually recently, he's planted these avocado pits in uh, a pot, and he puts it in our lanai, which is kind of like a screened-in area in the back, and then he would put it in the sun. But then uh, sometimes our kids, their friends would come over to play, and, and we had this, like, dinky basketball hoop, and, and our kids are really bad at basketball, so when they throw it, the ball hits, like, the pots and knocks them all over, and then Grandpa will come out, and he'll see, like, the pots, and there's dirt and soil all over uh, the fake grass in our lanai, and he's like, yeah, what are you doing? And he gets really frustrated because it's difficult. Sometimes it's really hard being a gardener because there are frustrations that come along with the, that come with the territory. One of the things, though, that he has never gotten frustrated about, he's never been frustrated because he planted, and you're going to think, this is so dumb, but he's never been frustrated because he planted apple seeds and an orange tree grew up. He's never been frustrated because he planted, I don't know, pomegranate seeds and then a peach tree came up. He's never, he, because he understands something very important. You will reap what you sow. In other words, what you sow is what you're going to see. So you need to be very careful about what you're sowing. He says two things that you could sow here. He says, um, uh, the one who sows to please his sinful nature... From that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. It's pretty simple. So as you sow into your sinfulness, you will see destruction. You sow into your spiritual side, you will see life. It's a very simple analogy here. You reap what you sow. You plant apple seeds, you get an apple tree. You plant orange seeds, you get an orange tree. You plant an apple seed, you don't get an orange tree. You understand this in principle when it comes to farming, but here comes the challenge. A lot of us want to reap things that we do not sow, and we want to avoid reaping what we do sow. What do I mean by that? A lot of us will say, hey, this year, 2020, I want to grow spiritually. I want to know the Word of God in my heart. The question is, are you reading the Word of God then? It's very simple. If you want to know the Word of God, you've got to sow the Word of God into your life. But a lot of times, we, I just want to be knowledgeable about the Bible without ever reading. I want to grow in my godliness. Can I ask you a question? Are you spending time with the God who makes you godly? See, this is our challenge. We want to reap things that we don't sow, and then we want to avoid reaping the things that we do sow. I, 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 I want to overcome this temptation, but I cannot get away from it. It's just like people who say, oh, oh you go to a, um, a, 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 an ice cream shop. Like it, love it, I want some more of it, right? These are the sizes. And you're like, oh, I really shouldn't. I should really get the kitty size because I got the small last time and it was like way big and I had leftovers and I was shivering because I was so cold. I really should get the small one, but I'll have the extra large, thank you. 
We say things like, I know I shouldn't do this, but dot, dot, dot. We end up doing it because we want to avoid reaping the things that we sow. And he's saying, God cannot be. That's silly, right? You laugh, but you know that's what we do. So I'm watching this show years ago on the animal planet called Untamed and Uncut. Anyone see this show before? Untamed and Uncut. Basically, it's a show about stupid people who play with wild animals, and they get jacked up because of it. And so there's this one where this, like, ding-dong head goes, and he's like, this 21-year-old animal trainer in somewhere in Asia is playing with a Siamese crocodile. And then he says... The Siamese crocodile is many times more ferocious and vicious and aggressive than your average alligator. Okay, so we're, we're familiar with alligators here in Florida. You see alligators at like uh, some mini golf, Congo River, putt-putt. You feed them and they're like, oh, you're like, oh my gosh, I would hate to be around those things. But those are babies. Think about full-grown ones and then think about the ones that are many times more aggressive. So here's this guy. He's like animal trainer playing with the Siamese crocodile, right? And so he does this cool trick where... He's going to put his arm in its mouth, and then he's going to tap its nose so that it closes its mouth. But right before it closes its mouth, he's going to pull its arm out. So he's like, puts his arm in there. He's like, and then he takes it out, and, and he misses him. And the crowd is like, oh, yeah, you're number one. And he's like, yeah, yeah, Hulk Hogan, yeah, yeah, come on, come on. And he's playing up the crowd, right? Then the announcer goes, what happens next will surprise everyone. You're like, no, first of all, it's called untamed and uncut. Ain't nobody going to be surprised by this. Second of all, you're putting your hand in the mouth of an animal that's far more aggressive and ferocious and vicious than your average alligator. You know what's going to happen. He puts his arm in his mouth, and before he can take it out, the Siamese crocodile chomps down on it, and then he starts flipping over and over and over. I guess that's what Siamese crocodiles do in the wild, right? Starts flipping over, and the guy's like flipping over like on spin cycle in the dryer. He's like, oh my gosh, and he's flipping around. I'm not sure what happened. I think people came and they got him off. But I thought to myself, how stupid. I mean, you could go on and on and on, but how stupid is he? But how stupid does the announcer think we are? Say, what happens next will surprise everyone. I don't think so. You put your arm in the mouth of a Siamese crocodile, bad things are going to happen. The Siamese crocodile cannot be mocked. And what Paul is saying is that God cannot be mocked either. You reap what you sow. So are you reaping, I'm sorry, are you sowing into the things that will cause you to win or are you sowing into the things that will cause you to sin? What are you reaping? What are you sowing? Because what you see is what, what you sow is what you'll see. You got to be careful what you sow. I know this year, as we begin, you've got, you've got the whole year, 360 one days ahead of you now. What do you want to see in this year? Because a lot of times we want to, we want to reap the things that we don't sow. But God is saying if you want to see that, you got you to start. 
you got to start sowing into the things that you want to see. I saw this cartoon this week where um, these two dudes are talking, and this one guy apparently had a rough 2019. And he's saying to the other guy, he's like, man, uh, what do you expect in this upcoming year to be like? And the guy's like, man, I'm expecting to see flowers, beautiful, beautiful flowers. And the other guy's like, why? There's so much darkness. There's so much brokenness, so much pain around. Why are you expecting to see flowers? And the guy says, because I'm planting beautiful flowers. What are you planting this year? What do you want to see this year? Can I tell you, what you see is determined by what you sow. And so where are you going to sow your seed? Be careful, because there will be a fruit. First thing that we see. Second thing that we see is that big, 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 big trees always start out as small seeds. It always starts little. The Bible makes it constantly. Jesus is always talking about this. He says, a kingdom of heaven is like, it's like a little seed, so tiny. It begins with Jesus and a few people, so tiny, but the kingdom begins to grow. It becomes so big that birds perch in its branches. Faith, like a mustard seed, tiny little thing, but it can move an entire mountain as long as you place it in the right place. Seeds are scattered, the gospel, and all over the world, Colossians 1, 6, this gospel is bearing fruit and spreading just as it's been doing among us when we heard the gospel and understood it in all of its truth. Jesus makes it clear, little things lead to big things. That's the nature of life. It's the nature of the planet uh, of, of, of biology. One of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite plants or trees, um, and I only know this by, uh, by hearing about it. I've never planted or anything like that, but there's a, a, a plant called the Chinese bamboo. Does anyone have a Chinese bamboo growing in their home? Probably not, because then your home roof would be broken, because here's the thing. Uh, like all plants, it requires good soil and sunlight and water, okay? and so you water that. I don't know how, how often you need to do that, maybe once a week, or maybe I, I don't know what it is, but uh, you plant those seeds, and then you water it, and you let the sun shine on it. And after one year, you know how big it gets after a year? Nothing. Nothing breaks through the soil. After one whole year, you're like, man, that was kind of weird. And so what do you do? You say, oh, this stupid tree, and you throw it out. No, you, you're supposed to keep on doing it. So you keep on doing it every week or every month, whatever you do. You, I, I don't know what, you just put water on it. That's it. Nothing. Second year rolls around. At the end of year two, nothing. Three years, nothing. Four years, nothing. In the fifth year, okay, get this. In the fifth year, in six weeks, it shoots up 80 feet into the air. That's crazy. That 80-foot tree started out as nothing. As nothing. But big things always begin, at least in this context, as small things. And so the little things that we do make a difference. Even when I don't see it, something is working under the surface. Do you believe that's true in your life as well? That the little things that you do, okay, this year, here it is, it's just five minutes a day, I'm going to be with God and read the word, and, and just maybe uh, every Wednesday I'm going to come to our prayer meetings and I'm going to pray. And I may not feel it, but God is working. 
in those times. And the question is, will you keep on planting the seed even when you don't see the fruit? Because you see, throughout Scripture, we're told to walk by faith and not by sight. And the kind of people that God uses, can I tell you, the the kind of people that God uses and the kind of people that we often see do great things for the kingdom of God are not people who are flashy, not people who are gifted, not people with great potential, not people with great charisma. What kind of people does God love? It's people who are faithful. That's it. Faithful with a little, then you'll be entrusted with more. Can you show up on time for the things that God's calling you to show up on time for? Can you stick faithfully with a ministry for longer than a few months? When it gets difficult, can you continue to put your hand to the plow and not look back? Or are you constantly switching from one thing to the next? Saying, I don't want to do this anymore. This gets too difficult. Faithfulness is what God always loves to honor. Can you post up? Can you show up? Can you be there? Can you be counted on to show up when you're called upon? That's what God is looking for, faithfulness. These are the kind of people that God uses time and time again. People who, even when I don't see it, I believe that God is working, and therefore I'm going to continue to do what I do, even if there's no fruit that I can see in my life, even if there's no fruit that I can see in my house church members, even if there's no fruit I can see in my ministry, even if there's no fruit in my students, even if no one is changing, nothing is changing, I don't feel it, I'm going to trust that God is working. Can you do that? Because you understand big things always start as small things, and you never know when year five is going to be as you're planting your spiritual bamboo tree there. You never know. But so many times, so many times, we fail to see the fruit because we stop in year four or year three or year two or year one. Can you be faithful in the little things? Because we so much want a little investment to become a big thing right away. I'm reading the Bible every day. It's been five days, but I don't feel a love for God growing within my heart. It's five days. Keep at it. Keep going. You will reap what you sow. God sees every seed that you sow, and he will ensure that you will one day see the fruit of your investment. Whatever context you find yourself in. So as you give of yourself, as you invest into your spiritual life, as you sow those seeds, God honors that. But on the flip side, some of us have been sowing into destructive and sinful habits. And up until this point in time, nothing has broken through the surface. Nobody knows. Nobody's called you out on it. You've not been caught in it. But you know what you're doing, right? And God knows what you're doing. Where your friendliness crosses over the line into flirtiness, which crosses the line into a forbidden fruit that you know ought not be yours. Where a little bit of compromise, and my friends know about it, but they're not saying anything about it, so I'm going to take it the next step further, and the next step further, and the next step further. You know what these compromises are in your life, and sometimes the worst thing is for us to not be caught in it. He's saying, don't be 
deceived. God cannot be mocked. We will reap what we sow. Here's King David. He knows that the wife of another man does not belong to him, but he gets a thought in his mind, says maybe it will be nice to dabble a little bit in someone else's garden. And so the thought that's sown leads to the fruit of an action. We have to watch our thought life, watch where we go on the internet, watch who we stalk on social media, because those thoughts, it will lead to actions. King David didn't say, you know what, I want to ruin my family. I want to ruin my life. I want to ruin all these things. I want to ruin my, my, my people that I care about. He didn't say that. Just one thought that he planted, that maybe forbidden fruit is sweeter than the fruit that's mine already. And a thought leads to an action, and you continue to sow these actions, you're going to see a habit. Then you continue to sow a habit, you're going to see the fruit of a character. And you sow and plant that character, you're going to reap the fruit of your destiny. That's David, just one thought. One thought, all it was was, I know I shouldn't covet my neighbor's wife, but I'm coveting, I want. And so what happened? It wasn't just one commandment. It wasn't just coveting. There was a lie. There was adultery. There was stealing, and ultimately led to murder. Small things we need to be careful of because big blowouts always begin with small seeds. Second thing that we see, right, be careful, right, be careful. The third thing that we see is that the sooner you want to see a harvest, the sooner you need to sow the seed. The sooner you want to see a harvest, the sooner you need to sow a seed. What, what keeps us from sowing the seed? What, what keeps you from planting into your spiritual life? I think for, for a lot of us, it's quite frankly, it's simple. It's hard. Isn't it difficult to week in, week out, commit to house church, commit to SNF every day, spending time in the word of God, every day spending time in prayer? It's hard for us to do. But the thing is, we want the fruit of people coming to know Jesus, but we don't want to spend time with anyone outside of our circle of friends. We want to have the fruit of people saying, you're a great disciple maker, mentor, but we don't want to spend the time with them. See, we want so many things that we're not willing to put the time into because, quite frankly, it's difficult. When I was, <clears throat> when I was in high school, my second love, first love was baseball, second love was basketball, and so I, I love playing basketball, and one of the things I, I just, you know, it's good, better, best, never let it rest to your good is better and your better is best. You always want to get better, and so I wanted to do that, and what I felt like I need to do is I need to, I want to, uh, everyone knows how to shoot, everyone can pass, everyone can dribble, everyone can, can do all these things, but not everyone can, can jump high, right? So I said, if I can jump higher than everybody else, I'll be better than everyone else. That's what I thought. And so I, I saw in this magazine, there's this like $9.95 uh, pamphlet that you could buy. It's called Skybound, where you can buy it, and it gives you these exercises that you can do. Um, it gives you these exercises, and it guarantees that your vertical leap would increase. And I was like, ooh, 
I'm going to get that. I got $9.95. I was working at Chuck E. Cheese. I got $9.95. I can do this. So I bought that thing, and I got it, and I did these exercises, and it had these, like, pictures of this man with a mustache and, and long hair, and, and he had these, like, long uh, athletic socks, which are uncool and super short shorts, but he was doing these, like, exercises, and I was like, man, I don't want to, this, this guy looks like a clown, and I think he's just clowning everybody else, making us look like fools in our front yard doing this, but I did it, and sure enough, what they guaranteed actually came to fruition, and I did this faithfully, and I did it diligently, and it really, it changed the way that uh, I was able to play on the basketball court. It was great. Then fast forward a few years, I moved down here, I was doing ministry, and there was one youth student in our church, right? And he said, oh, Pastor DL, I want to be the best basketball player. I was like, awesome. He said, can you teach me how to increase my vertical so I can dunk? I was like, yeah, totally. He's like, all right, so uh, we've got youth meetings on Saturday nights at, at uh, you know, XYZ time. Come two hours early. He's like, all right, uh, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. I'm ready. I was like, but you got to be because, you got, one, you're going to look like a fool, and if people are at church, they're going to see you in the gym looking like a fool. You got to be okay with that. He's like, oh, I don't care as long as I can dunk. And then I said, but it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard, and I need to, I need to push you if you're going to get better. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. So as I was thinking about this, I thought, okay, we did this for about three weeks. But he was at our morning service, and I asked him, and he said, he did it for one week. One week, and then he came to me the next week, and he's like, oh, I don't think I can do this anymore. I was like, what are you talking about? After one week? So after one week, this young man named Joseph Kim quit (laughs) trying to be the best basketball player that he could be. And that's why he's still the way that he is. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But that's what we do, isn't it, sometimes? He says, look, look, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. But a lot of times we give up a little bit too soon. Think about a farmer. Why does a farmer sow the seed? The farmer doesn't sow the seed in order that he might sow the seed. I know you think I'm being foolish, but, but, but listen, hear this. A farmer doesn't sow the seed in order that he might sow the seed. A farmer sows the seed in order that he might reap the harvest. You always sow with the harvest in mind. That's why we do these things. Is it hard? Of course it's hard. What kind of a clown would say it's not hard? But everything in life that's worth anything is worth doing, that's worth doing is going to be difficult. You want to be a doctor. You want to be, a, you want to be an accountant. You want to be an athlete. You want to be a dancer. It's going to be difficult. But you don't sow in order to sow. You sow in order to see. You sow in order to reap. But a lot of times we give up too quickly because it gets difficult. And knowing that's our nature, Paul says, let's not become weary of doing what is good because at the proper time, you understand the principle of sowing and reaping, that you don't sow and then the next day you reap. There is a delay And you don't know how long that delay is. But the God of ages knows. And he's the one who's in charge of the growing and the fruitfulness of the things 
that just so? A farmer looks out at a field and he's got nothing. What does he do? Does he say, oh my gosh, my field is barren. This is terrible. I'm gonna, this is going to be the worst year ever. No, what does he do when he sees a barren field? He sows the seed because he thinks about what he wants to see at the end of the harvest season. And the sooner he wants to see that, the sooner he needs to sow the seed. So what do you want to see this year? What do you want to see in your spiritual life? And more importantly, maybe, what's keeping you from sowing those seeds? What's keeping you from getting into Harvest 101, 201? What's keeping you from stepping into a position of, of, of greater responsibility? See, some of us are just, we're waiting for someone to ask us to do something when you know what it is that you want to see, but for whatever reason, you're not willing to take that step into it. What are you waiting for? This year, the blessing of God is here for the taking. Everything that we need has been given to us and instructed to us in the Word of God. What is it that we're waiting for? Some of us are waiting for the perfect time. It's just not the right time. I've got too much going on in my life. I can't do it on these nights or whatever it is. Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, The farmer who keeps on looking at the wind, waiting for the perfect wind pattern, waiting for the sun, will never plant the seed. Some of us are waiting for the perfect time. It's like we're, we're <laughs> I've said this in the past, it's like when we did mission trips, sometimes we get these like big old jump ropes, right? And we're, uh, the jump rope is turning and there's like these kids who are waiting to jump in and waiting to jump in and waiting to jump in and waiting to jump in. And it's like these three-year-old kids are waiting. They don't want to get hit. They don't want to get hit. They don't want to get hit. They're turning four. Their fifth birthday come around. Sixth birthday, seventh birthday. They're turning eight. They're starting to get a beard and they're still, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Get in the game. Jump in and sow the seed. There will be no perfect time. But I'll tell you what, the sooner you begin to, to plant, the sooner you'll begin to reap. So invest in those people. Invest in your disciplines. Invest in your house church. Invest in your youth ministry. Invest in those children. Do those things that you always said, one day I'm going to do it. One day when things calm down. One day when, can I tell you what? One day is here. Right? Today is your day. Today is your day. Right? No reason to delay. Because when you plant, there will be a fruit that comes as a result of it. Will it be hard? Yeah, it's going to be hard. I'm not going to lie to you. It's going to be hard. But you know that about life. Everything worth doing is going to be hard. So we keep our eyes on the prize. And sometimes, can I tell you, it's not even the harvest that's the prize because there may be times where, like Steve shared, people in Vietnam for hundreds of years have sown into the ground whatever, without ever seeing fruit commensurate to what they've given. What then do we do? Because our prize was never on the fruit of our labor, but our prize is higher than that. There was another man who lived this verse perfectly. He's the only one who ever planted only into the spiritual life, never sowed to please the flesh. 
he would plant seeds wherever he goes. He even said, hey, some of the people I plant on, they're going to be rocky soil. Some of them are going to be like a path. Some of them, they're going to get excited, but the worries of this world are going to choke it out. Some of them are going to fall on good soil, but that wasn't what he was focused on. He gave everything that he had, every minute of his life spent to honor his Father in heaven. And he gave, and he gave, and he gave, and he gave. Every seed of his life was spread to do the will of the Father who sent him. And at the end of his life, there was only one who ever broke the laws of sowing and reaping. Jesus, on the last day of his life, reaped the destruction that he did not deserve by hanging on the cross for the sins that you and I had committed and for every person who's ever lived in this life. He took their punishment and nailed, was nailed to a cross. Why? In order that at the cross a great exchange could happen where we could actually reap in things we did not sow, that we could reap in eternal life, that we could reap in joy and peace and love and health. All the things that Jesus sowed, we get to drink and eat of its fruit. For those who have faith in him, at the cross, Jesus reaped what he did not sow in order that now we could reap what we did not sow in the life that is to come as well as in the life that we have here in faith. What are you waiting for? Everything that Jesus has bought and won for us has been given to us. The seed is in our hand. What do you want to see? What do you want to see? Because what you sow is what you're going to see. That's a certain promise from God. Let's pray together. Let's pray for a minute. Some of us, before we start planting seeds, we need to start pulling out weeds within our heart, chopping down trees that would keep us from being able to experience life. Uh, that's called repentance, uh, giving over to the Lord God things that would be harmful to the life of the Spirit within us. Let's Spend a few moments in repentance as we prepare to come to this table of God's grace. And let's ask that he would change us and that he would mold our hearts in order that when we seed and plant those seeds, uh, that God would allow there to be a deep, a deep and lasting root in order that there might be a lasting fruit as well. Let's pray. Let's spend some time praying that God would weed out the sinful things in us and that God would begin to through our obedience, begin to plant the seeds into our spiritual lives. Let's pray for half a minute to 45 seconds right now. It's honestly yeah, giving our hearts in prayer to the Lord. genuine heart. Father, this is 
how I want to sow into my spiritual life. This is what I feel you're calling me to do. To join a ministry team, to get involved with our youth or children's ministry, to commit to coming to a prayer meeting, to spend time with God each day. Whatever that is, can you just pray? Lord, give me the strength, the conviction, the joy. It is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. So let's pray that God would help us to do that just for 15 seconds. And I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to receive God's grace at this table. forgive us for having a what have you done for me lately mentality and we think about all that we have in you like what why would God like why would God in heaven descend into the dusty broken places of this earth why did he do that the Bible and history tells us he did that in order to live the life that we couldn't live and then to die a death that we deserve to die like why would God in heaven do that for us doesn't make any sense until we realize that that's how you showed your love for your creation. Father, would we not want to get to know a God like that more and more when all access to him has been granted through the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, that you made a way where there was no way before. We pray that you would help us to enter in by grace and receive all that you have for us. We thank you. We love you because you've loved us first. Pray these things in Jesus' name.